Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to History Untapped. My name is John Jacob Stephen Michael Smith. As a producer of this show, it is my job to inform you that this show contains explicit content and is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to History Untapped, where we are going to talk about a bunch of history, and in this specific episode, we're going to be talking of Joan of Arc, whereas she was also known as Jeanne of Arc. There will be a lot of very French-sounding words that we are not going to pronounce correctly. There will be explicit behavior, so please put your kiddos to bed far before you listen to this, and on top of that, we're just going to have fun. You're welcome. Welcome to History Untapped. Before we begin with the story of Joan of Arc, we have to go back to the beginning of the Hundred Years' War, a century before she was born. In 1328, King Charles... I've never heard of King Charles. His name is not Charles. Haven't you ever had Charlesburg cheese? Is that one of the French pronunciations you were telling us about? God, no, I wish it were. (laughs) Before we begin with the story of Joan of Arc, we have to go back to the beginning of the Hundred Years' War. A century before she was born, in 1328, King Charles IV died without a male heir, leaving only daughters who at the time were not permitted to rule. Instead, the country had to coronate his closest relative, which was his cousin, Philip of Voila, who later became King Philip the sick. When you said voila, I was just thinking like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that was everything voila. I do not to laugh. Yeah. I I know. I saw his like hand in it threw me off. I was voila. like, Stop. he's like, ma, and I was like, don't. I was look, like, but it's voila. Because that's how it's pronounced in French. <laughs> voila made me think of voila. Voila. <laughs> Yeah, also, you're the only one that's going to say these words right. Michael and I are not going to get these. <laughs> no, so, not at all. All right, for the record, anytime it comes to, for the most part, anytime it comes to, like, random French words, I did put parentheses and, like, spelled them out, like, very English. We're still going to get them wrong, just so you, know, you, you dumbed it down for me and John. Thank you. Yeah. We appreciate appreciate it. England's King Edward III in October of 1337 declared that he was in fact the true heir and king of France. I've heard about this guy before. It's true and that in all fairness, he was in fact closer to King Charles IV because his mother, Isabella, was in fact the late French king's sister, making him a closer relation than King Philip IV. But the rule on who became France's ruler relied on which law was to be followed. Since Edward was related through a woman, France excluded him from consideration. But England didn't care about France's law. Philip wouldn't budge, hence the beginning of the Hundred Years' War. By the 1400s, England occupied most of the country, including Paris. On top of all of this, King Charles was known to be mad. Oh, so he was also crazy. Yep, that's... Yeah, look... That that happened, like, a lot back then. Lots of crazy... That's what happens, I guess, when you're banging your family. Looking back now, some say he might have suffered from schizophrenia or possibly syphilis. 
I bet he Zip wore was, a wig. I bet he wore a wig. He was wearing <laughs> 300 those years before. wigs. <laughs> no one is quite sure today, but it definitely is theorized that he could have suffered from either. Due to this, France suffered a civil war with the Burgundians siding with the English because they thought Charles was a sinner due to his illness. Well, I mean, if he got syphilis from banging a bunch of hoes, yeah, you were a sinner. That's how well, that goes. If he also had schizophrenia, where he was, like, hearing voices and talking to himself, which... I have read and did too much research into this. Um, uh, it, it, yeah. it, it, it is said that like they, he often talked to himself. Um, he had full on conversations with himself. And so a lot of people, and if it weren't for the fact that he was king, he would have been known as being like cited with the devil. Like the devil would have been speaking yeah. to him because in those times, anyone other than a king would have been cited for like, oh, that's heresy and craziness and burn him at the stake and all that craziness right because he's psycho but because he was king it was overlooked and it is it is very likely that because he was speaking to himself and hearing voices that he could have had schizophrenia they obviously didn't have that term back in the day and none of us here are therapists well also the whole thing that how this started was they're like hey this guy should actually be the king and they're like Oh, yes, that's true, but it's through a woman. And they're just like... There are lots of ladies involved. Yeah, they're like, you tried the French accent there. It did not work at all. No. I'm not not drunk enough for it. But yeah, basically, they're like, this this guy should be king. This guy should be the king, but since his close relationship that's closer than the real, the king that we have now, doesn't count because it was through a woman. Right. Sacre bleu, I am the king. Yeah, there you go. You got it. Sacre bleu. We cannot have an Englishman for a king. And he's like, that sounded kind of Scottish. God damn it. I'm doing the wrong yeah, answer. Actually. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. So um, it's really weird, too, because at that time, there was like this weird rule that like women. It we wasn't a women. weird rule back then. It was I want, not. I just want to say ahead of time, like, we respect women and love all women and adore women. At least I do. I think that we're all on the same page. But back then. It was like, women? Ugh, no thank you. Only men can do what men can do. And so when it comes down to it, yes, uh, the whole Hundred Years' War, which we're not speaking about, we're speaking about Joan of Arc, but the whole Hundred Years' War started because basically a guy died without any heir in France, and the English monarch was actually related to the queen of France, through blood and so they were like oh the english are like nope we now rule but france was like oh no 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 because your female relations was female you don't bitch it don't happen no more so uh we're a little little late on the disclaimers here we're also going to have some really bad accents in this episode as well agreed anyway the whole the whole process is like france is like yeah, technically, the king of England is closer in relation, but because it's because because he's closer in relation by a woman, it doesn't count because she's a woman. You know what I'm saying, G? And all of England's like, yeah, fuck that bitch. She's English, and we are French, and we do what we want. And this is going to be a really fun episode, everybody. Strap in. <laughs> I know. Sorry, sorry. But... No, literally, like, when I was doing research, that's basically what it was saying. Is like, oh, he's related to a female? <laughs> Stupid. That doesn't work. 
according to France rules, and you're like, what? But technically, I mean, this is the 1400s. Thirteen. This is yeah, the 1300s. Yeah, the 1300s. So basically, women couldn't even vote until what? Less well, than a hundred years the ago. The 1900s. 1920. 1919. Yeah, 1919, 1920. Okay, anyway, hundred so years that's, ago. That's kind of where we're at. Start so, looking at six hundred years ago. Yeah. <laughs> just a heads up as to why this hundred years war even started. It was basically like, oh, this guy should be ruling, but because he's related to a woman, nobody gives a shit because it's a woman, and that's rude. Not and the war started. In 1398, Marie de Bois, a clairvoyant, claimed that a young armed virgin <laughs> what <laughs> I started laughing because I imagined her not having arms <laughs> she's armed she's got all the arms yeah, I know oh my god you don't oh. even drink <sighs> this is the beginning <laughs> of the episode too <laughs> this is gonna be a long one <laughs> Okay. In 1398, Marie de Bon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Give me one second. I need to get something to drink. Cause this is There's something stuck in your throat. <laughs> yeah, and it's not a dick. <laughs> oh, yeah. In 1398, Marie de Bois, a clairvoyant, claimed that a young armed virgin woman would restore France to its former glory. This maiden would be born in an area of Lorraine in the northeastern part of the country. People began calling this woman La Pucelle de Lorraine, or the Maid of Lorraine. Soon the entire country prayed for such a woman to come and rescue them. So this is a, this is a big part of her story, though, is the whole clairvoyant stuff and the messages from God. So Yeah. So starting even before she's born. Yeah, and what's interesting is, like, um, it came up quite a few times. So this whole, like, virgin woman thing um don't call her a thing i'm sorry well i didn't mean it like that but i also meant like you know there's the virgin mary who gave birth to jesus like there's a lot of very prophetic is that the right word anyway there's like there's some similarities yeah there's a lot of prophecies that go into this and especially back then in that time um they were very religious but also like they, they wanted to stick true to kind of like the weird like non-religious stuff that they had kind of gone with on top of like the church is now a thing yeah they had to combine their previous beliefs with you know the new christian religion now happening right so there was this woman who barged in to the king at the time and was like oh a woman is going to destroy france but also a virgin maiden is gonna like restore france and they all took they were like oh this prophecy is great and as it turns out one of the reasons why france actually originally was up for debate for the hundred years war was because a woman isabella as we talked about earlier told her husband that the one male heir that they had was not his that she had in fact had an affair with someone else which is oh. why it became a problem for who was going to... So that's kind of what started the Hundred Years' War. Um, so it's interesting to note at this point like that like this other girl comes forward and she's like, oh, I have a prophecy where a female is going to destroy France, but a female is also going to restore France. And sure enough, Isabella is like, hey, I'm a slut, and <laughs> your male heir is not yours. You're welcome. 
by France. It belongs to England now. And so for hundreds of years, during much war and craziness, the whole country has now heard of this, like, virgin maid who was supposed to... Um, Save France, basically. Yeah, exactly. And it has been said that, at this point, Joan herself has heard this. Because now it's 100 years later, and she may or may not have already heard this prophecy, especially because she was born in the province of Lorraine, which is what the girl who had said the prophecy 100 years before said, um, that the maiden would be of virgin descent from Lorraine, which is where Joan was born. So... There's a little side note of, like, did Joan know she was going to be this, or did she choose to be? So it's it's kind of... Yeah, like, if she had heard the stories about how there was someone that was going to be born in her area, she was like, well, that could just be me. Yeah, and so, so that, that prophecy was already out there for hundreds of years. Well, uh, it actually looks like it was only 14 years before she yeah, was born. Yeah, it was only 14 years before she was born. Right. Okay, so that's it was, actually, it was actually pretty recent, so, so people still would have been talking about it. Right, yeah. and still, like, letting her know and whatnot. Joan, or Jean, was born in 1412 in the northeastern town of Doremi, the daughter of a farmer. Her father was held in high regard as he collected taxes for the crown. Scumbag. The Dark, which is actually how it's pronounced, it's the Ark family, was devout Catholics, and Joan's mother, Isabel, took her children to church and confession often. Though Joan's village was loyal to the French crown, the Burgundians would often raid and burned Joan's 50-acre farm. In 1425, wow. the Burgundians burned down Joan's favorite church and stole cattle. Joan, at the age of 13, got a vision from none other than St. Michael, patron saint of the military. He gave her three tasks that she must follow. The first was to remain pious and keep going to church. The second was to stay a virgin. And the third, he wanted her to travel to another town to ask an army captain for soldiers to lead her into battle to defend Orléans. It was at this moment that Joan began to think the angel was telling her she was the maid of Lorient. Can we can we stop right there for a second? Yeah, 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 absolutely. To talk about how fucking insane that sounds. Right. Yeah, she had so, a vision when she was thirteen. Well, and also, I was telling Michael like when I was reading the the audio autobiography, the reason that her so. Her father, did, he was, like, wealthy as far as, like, the rest of the town was. And, yeah, the Burgundians did come in um, and burn and steal cattle and do all of that. And the Burgundians, for a little backstory, are from France, but... From they, Burgundy, right? Yeah, they're from Burgundy. And they actually believed that the English king was the proper king of France. So they didn't back this other king that was said to be... The Francis King, right? Yeah. So they were fighting for the English. And on top of that, Joan's family was the only one who had a house built of stone. So when they burned down the entire village, Joan's family actually didn't lose anything because their their house was made of stone. Everyone else built it out of, like, wood and tinder and whatnot. So Joan's family, in essence, they lost, like, their farm and the fields they but their house, house. They yeah, still had the it, house, yeah. Their house sustained the fire, which is fine. But it's also wild that at this moment, 13-year-old Joan is like, and now God has spoken to me. It couldn't possibly that she had a traumatic incident and then all of a sudden was <laughs> having these issues. Well, and it's also said that no one knows for sure, but a lot of people have theorized that she might have had epilepsy 
And when you have an epileptic fit, um, according to a lot of Wikipedia sites, which take it for what it is, I'm not a doctor. We are I'm not, not diagnosing anybody. Yeah. We are not experts. But according to Wikipedia, like you do see a white light and you may hear voices. And most of the time, um, especially back then, people who heard voices were going to hear like they were going to hear like negative voices. But because Joan was brought up such a devout Catholic, she didn't hear Satan or like devils, if you will. Like she didn't hear negative voices. So she did have an epileptic fit and saw a bright light. Instead of hearing like negative stuff, she heard you're a you're, you're one of God's children, so to speak. Right. So she's going to hear like you're here for a reason. You have purpose and a mission. And whereas other people, especially in that time who had epileptic fits, would have heard like you're going to hell, like you're a sinner, because that's the kind of stuff that was like thrown at them. And so Joan, being who Joan is, she's like, no, I'm a devout Catholic. I do you know, I do confession every week. I go to church three days a week. I'm doing everything right. She's going to hear something more on the positive side, right? So that's kind of what some people theorize happened in this situation, which is wild and kind of cool. <laughs> well, you know, because she did some cool shit. Like, if I'm yeah, she did. for a little bit. I'm, yeah. If, if I'm in the 1400s and I'm going to be like an epileptic, I want to be Joan. <laughs> like, no offense. Like, that's just the the life I'm going to lead. So, yeah. So the Burgundians were on the French side, but they were they're from the France. Side. Or, sorry, they're, they're the English side from France. Kind of dicks, if you will. Um, so going back to it, the, the Burgundians would often raid and burn Joan's 50-acre farm along with her town. And in 1425, the Burgundians burned down, like I said, Joan's favorite church and stole cattle. So Joan, at the age of 13, got a vision from none other than St. Michael the patron saint of military, and he gave her those three tasks. Um, and so the last task and the third task was he wanted her to travel to none other. So it was at this moment that Joan began to think the angel was telling her she was the maid of Lorraine. He continued to give her instructions. After defeating, after defeating the Battle of Orléans, she was to restore the crown to the rightful French king. At first, Joan was not sure that this was true and even questioned the angel. Michael would continue to appear to Joan and eventually was able to prove to her that he was real by also having St. Margaret and St. Catherine appear to her. Other times, she just saw a bright light and heard their voice. The more they came to her, the more she began to believe she was the prophesied. The more they came to her, the more she realized she was the prophesied one. Soon it would be time for Joan to leave her home behind and take up her mission. To prove to her and God that she believed in her calling, she began to call herself Jean de la Pocelle or Joan the Maiden. It's believed by some that Joan actually had epilepsy or seizures, but it's just a theory. So She had to also have more than, I mean, she had to have, like, schizophrenia or something multiple else, like, personality <laughs> syndrome. She had to have she, she had the same thing the king had. had. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, she had that's, to have. That's, that's where they, like, especially with the epilepsy and seizure thing, like, that's where they go into, like, you know, people who have epilepsy have, like, bright flashes, and then they hear voices, and most of them hear, like, negative voices. However, you know, her being a pious and very true Christian, or Catholic at that time, there was no Christianity, it was Catholic. Um, her being a very true Catholic made it so that all she heard was, like, you're yeah. important and special and amazing, yeah. right? So that's what she... Well, and, and you have to think that at the time, like, we were talking about, like, when she was born... There was already this, like, 
prophecy. Yeah, the prophecy and everything. And it's, it, yeah, it makes sense for her. Of but like for her, she's like, oh, prove to me that you're real. And the, the imaginary thing in her head was like, here's St. Margaret and St. Catherine. And she's like, that makes sense. Okay. Well, and that's that's the crazy thing. Is like, right? So at first she sees St. Michael, who's a man. And she's like, oh, I don't believe you. So but then like the two other like saints two female saints appear, and it. she's like, "Okay, you're right. You, I got this, girl." But how right. gullible and stupid you were right, you? Right, right. I mean, like everyone's stupid at thirteen. Right. Just go look Especially at your old Facebook posts from well, when you were seventeen, and, said, like, and you're like, "Oh, like, get rid said, of that." Like, at the age of at the age of thirteen, she was like, "Uh, you crazy? Like, how am I gonna run out of my house and get an army to follow me? Like, that's wild. Like, that's not gonna happen." And so there were a few times in my research that I heard, like, uh, she was like, uh, like, I believe you because you're sent by God, but there is no way on earth. I'm a no. woman in the late 1300s. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. But then the, this happens. <laughs> so at the age of 16, Joan's father arranged a marriage for her, which made her so angry, and she rejected the young suitor. The suitor then sued Joan for breaking off the engagement. How does that work, though? How do you sue someone for breaking off an engagement for something that you never agreed to? Because back then, arranged marriages... Oh, the father had already agreed for her. Yeah, and and the... The young suitor probably like oh, sorry, it's literally right like yeah, a dowry. A no, no, you're good. You're good. The suitors then sued Joan for breaking off the engagement. However, since Joan's father arranged the engagement and not Joan, a judge sided with her, letting her off the hook. However, this close call was the catalyst for her to start her journey. So after this incident, Joan wrote to her 30-year-old cousin and asked if she could assist with the birth of his child, giving her the opportunity to sneak away from her parents' house and have a safe male to escort her to the village as there were Burgundians always nearby ready to attack her town. Now safely in the village of... It's Burdepe. Yeah, Burdepe. She helped her cousins around the house and started to tell them that she was the foretold savior, and after some time was able to convince her cousin, Darren? Uh, that doesn't sound Durant. right. No, it's Darren. Okay, well, who became <laughs> her first follower and agreed to take her to... Bukur? Bukalor. Bukalor. Okay. Eight days later, on May 13th, 1428, Joan and Deron yeah. fucking met with Robert, the captain, and started to explain that she needed to borrow his army to escort her to the king so that she could get a proper army to help her defeat the English. Of course, Robert took one look at her and said no, because who in the right mind is going to be like, you're 16, you just asked me out of nowhere for my entire army, and I'm supposed to say yes. Exactly. But he says no and told her cousin to take her home. Yeah, he's like, get this bitch out of here. Like, yeah, he was like straight up like, get her away. Some of Robert's soldiers, however, overheard everything she had said and believed her. Because at the time that, you know, you hear a sign from God, you go, sign from God. We're, we got to well, do this. And they've been waiting for almost like, what, 14 years, maybe well, 100? At this well, point, it's about 20. It's about she's, 20 she's years. Older now, They're yeah. waiting yeah. for the, the virgin maiden to arrive, right? Like they're losing yeah. hope. At and this point, it's actually for, 29 years. It's like 30, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's 29 so years. They're yeah. waiting for, like, the prophecy to be uphold because they're losing, and they'll believe anything at that point. Like, sure. So they started to talk to others, and eventually rumors of the Chosen Maiden reached the ears of the townsfolk, which then reached the ears of the nobility all the way up to the Duke of Lorraine. With the backing of the Duke, she was able to get another meeting with Robert. In February, on February 12th of 1429, she spoke with Robert and told him 
a vague and chilling prediction saying that the French would have another devastating loss that day. And sure enough, a few days later, news came that Joan was right, making Robert a believer. He then gave her a horse and sword and a squad of soldiers to escort her 270 miles to Chignon. to meet the king. This girl wow. shows She did up. like some Nostradamus others, like, you're going to lose today. And then it was like <laughs> five days later, like, oh, right. hey, we lost. And they've been losing, right? So they're already losing. Yeah, they're constantly. losing at a, at a bad rate to the But Burgundians. this girl shows up and she goes, hey, I'm the foretold maid of Lorraine. Like, I'm the prophesied one. And let me give you a little prophecy. You about to lose again. At which point, Robert's like, well, at first she comes forward and she's like, hey, I'm the girl that, like, everyone's talking about. Like, I'm the one. <laughs> hey, girl, hey, give me your soldiers. And he's like, listen, 16-year-old bitch, <laughs> no. not happening. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't even want to talk to you. And he talks to her cousin and is like, hey, you're a dude. Take, take her, her home, home and make her, like, do her maidenly duties. <laughs> take, take this woman home and get her back in the kitchen. Right. And Basically, then yeah. at the same time, some of his soldiers are like, I'm sorry, did she say maid of Lorraine? Like, isn't that a prophecy? Girl, did you hear <laughs> that the maid of Lorraine is up in this bitch? We found her. She's around. We got her. She's here. Right. I so love how like, the French guys are all gay. Absolutely. Well, have you ever met a French, French guy? I'm French. They all seem to talk uh, like that, so. <laughs> so eventually these French like guards are like, Robert, knock, knock, knock. That's a motherfucking queen. And we need to obey what she says. And he's like, No, we don't. And they're like, Alright, cool. We're gonna go talk to the townspeople. And so they go and they talk to the townspeople, and the townspeople are like, oh, We've been waiting for this mysterious maid of Lorraine to appear, and they're saying it. So when she comes back and she's like, hey, Robert, you're cute. Well, and, the, and the Duke is finally like, all right. Right. Because by this point, wants, like, right? all of the townspeople have, like, reached all the way up. And the Duke's like, made of Lorraine? That bitch has finally appeared? Bring her on in. <laughs> right? So then Robert's like, you idiots. He's finally a believer. I don't believe what you're saying, but you're above my pay grade. What have we got to lose? Bring that bitch down. <laughs> We're already losing already, so... Right. And he's basically just like, uh, you're not going to take my whole squadron, but what you're going to get is, like, ten soldiers. Basically, the idiots who believed you in the first place. Like, those yeah. gay bitches. You believe that. her so much, you fucking go with her. You take her. Good luck, <laughs> guys. <laughs> the soldiers quickly realized that traveling that far with a young woman could be extremely dangerous, since they would be traveling through English and Burgundian territory. So the soldiers convinced her to dress like a man and cut off her hair. Now, this was a huge deal because back then it was a sin for a woman to dress like a man, and this was against her upbringing. But Joan was able to overlook the sin because after all, she was on a mission from God, and she believed God would forgive her since she was to remain a virgin and could easily be raped if dressed like a woman. So she went ahead and donned her disguise. But now she's not pious, which was rule number one. Well... Pious meant that she had to stay a virgin. No, that was number two. Because it said pious and stay a virgin. But this is where, like, things get a little shifty. You guys are correct. Way to call it out. Thank you. Um, This is where things get a little shifty with Joan, right? So She's been shifty for three years at this point now. Well, and she's very, very religious, right? So she's like, ah, God doesn't want me to do this, and it's a lie, but God has a mission for me, and my mission is to save France. So 
I God's think not gonna, God is God's not going to make send you on a mission and break his own rules, though. But in her mind, she's like, well, if God wants me to do this, this must be part of it, right? Like, that's her whole thing is like, here I am doing my duty. Now I have an army to finally follow me into what God told me I should do. But now I can and be raped and, and now they're telling me no to longer do be a virgin. So that I stay a virgin. Cool. I'm going to do that because God's going to forgive me. God forgives sinners and God, God wants me to complete my mission. Right. So this is where things get a little wonky, especially with like the psychological view of like Joan the Ark. Right. Because it's like, well, was God really speaking to her? And especially back then, she's supposed to be pious. But here she is lying and dressing like a dude, which is numero yeah, back uno then, for real, back then. Real, like, real oh, big stuff, yeah. and, and she's like, I think God's cool with it. It's fine. God's my homie. Like, God and I are besties. He doesn't God's sitting up there like, no, no, it's not cool. Right. And and that's the thing, right? So the rest of the you world. You are like, a woman dressed like a woman. God is like up there like, uh, Joan, mm-mm, No, why no, no, no. Is, why is God Barack Obama? <laughs> so in February of 1429, they began the journey, traveling mostly at night. Even so, the journey was long and stressful. When they got to Xinyong, Joan wrote to Charles the seventh requesting an audience 11 days later when she arrived in town he welcomed her into her court charles however wanted to test joan and put on a disguise of his own and hid among his guests joan wasn't fooled and quickly spotted charles never having seen him before passing his test and surprising everyone around her after that she requested a private meeting in that meeting joan explained that she was the maid of lorraine and that she was there to fulfill her destiny as God's chosen one to defeat the English in the siege of Orléans. Once she finished talking, Charles wasn't sure that she was the one, and so he wanted to test her one more time. So for three weeks, in March of 29, she was interrogated and given a physical exam to check and see if she was indeed a virgin. Oh, a physical exam back then. Like, how would would you do, like, looking at it? Like, uh, so, yeah. So what's, what's crazy is like, they actually discuss this in one of the things I listened to. And it's basically like, if the hymen was intact, they assumed that she was a virgin. And what's crazy is that it's been proven that females can have sex without the hymen being broken. And so like a female can actually have sex and not have their hymen broken. And that doesn't mean that they're a virgin. But back then, according to like the standards and the procedures that they did, so, yes, they basically spread her open and did some prodding, which is disgusting. And also, oh, and they, by the way, she's 16. At, yeah, at this point, she's 16. Well, back not then, only, that didn't really matter. Yeah, and not only that, four years over they, marrying they also, age, so. like, yeah. they also, like, they put her through rigorous tests, right? So, at this point, they even, like, see her mood and, you know, gauge how often she has mood swings and changes and this, that, and the other. It's ridiculous. Like, the whole thing was just so stupid. So for three weeks in March, she was interrogated and given that physical exam that we talked about. And it was basically said that she was indeed a virgin, right? So after this exam, they're like, yeah, she's a virgin. So by April of 1429, she was given the go-ahead and approval of King Charles and the kingdom. It was in this moment that she gave a, a, a chilling prophecy of her own, saying that she would be in the army for a year, but little longer. 
So she's already at this point, she's like, I'm going to be part of your army, but no longer than a year. Like, maybe a little longer than a year, but not a whole lot more than that. And so Charles paid her, um, paid for her full suit of armor and gave her basically kind of like the command of veteran soldiers, making her a symbolic leader of the army. So he wasn't even like, oh, you're going to lead the army. He's like, a lot of people think that you're this prophecies one and you're going to be a mascot. So go out there. I read somewhere she she didn't really do like a whole lot of fighting, but she carried a banner basically. Yeah. And, and that comes into play. So. So um, once preparations were completed, Joan and her army actually set out for Orléans. And what's really funny is, like, even in this moment, after she was given, like, these tests and she went through this, like, it, it was, like, three, four weeks of rigorous testing. Um, <laughs> rigorous. <laughs> no, that's literally. So ultimately, <laughs> Charles, when they came back to Charles and they told her, they, you know, he was like, his priests were like, ah. How many she priests could? had to check and make sure she was like she was a virgin? I mean, like, there was a few. Like there was like four or five of them. I right? highly doubt it was one guy. And of course, no, yeah. there wasn't there's gonna like, be a woman like that did it. It was gonna be some creepy dude. No, creepy old men who are like very Christian, like Christian and unqualified to do no that. Vows. Like But they even came back to Charles and they initially told him, like, we can't prove that she is the prophesized one, but we also can't disprove it. So there you go. And so at this moment, go, Charles, but she is a virgin and she's here. So it's up to you, man. Yeah, basically. So like all they could really say is like, she's a virgin. And so at this moment, Charles was basically like, all right, so. And they're getting their ass kicked, by the way. Like, right. They're getting they're, their they're ass kicked up and down the battlefield. So he's like, what do I have to lose? So Charles is basically like, all right, little lady, go out and prove that you're the chosen one. Because ultimately, if she says that she is the maid of Lorraine, she will go out and win. And if she's not the chosen one by God, she's going to die. Charles has nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, and at that point, it's just one last battle. Yeah, he's like, meh, all right, cool. Here's a banner. Go have fun, kid. That's essentially what he did. He put her through four weeks of testing where these creepy old men looked up her vag and questioned her. And then he's like... All right, and then you just know say, what? we're all going to hell because she's a saint now, and you just said something about I'm Joan of Arc's Pretty vast. sure Harold Bluetooth is also a saint. Anyway, yeah, but you don't talk like, about eh, anus. Just go, just go do your I thing. I wouldn't. Well, I'm saying he was a terrible person, and but they're just like, he's a saint. Good luck, teenager. Do your worst. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> yeah. You're either the saint or you're not. You're welcome. Go. <laughs> On April 29th, which, by the way, uh, listeners, that is today, the day we're recording this. 593 years ago is when this happened. All right. We didn't plan that, by the way. That just... We did not. Just happened. Uh, Joan and her army reached the besieged city, but of course couldn't just walk in, so they had to sneak in undetected. How do you sneak in an army full of dudes, like, wearing metal, like, plate mail and everything? Like, it can't be easy to just Tunnels. sneak in an, an army. Tunnels. You're about to read how that happened. Oh, okay. I, I get <laughs> ahead of myself and ask questions when I, like, literally am going to read it the next sentence. <laughs> I love it, though. The French soldiers were already there and struck out, uh, started the battle with the English in order to distract them. Oh, that makes more sense. Start the battle, you can sneak in people from behind them. Okay. So, yeah, start a fight so they don't notice them. Joan and her army... God damn it. While Joan had the unwavering support of her army, the French soldiers who were already there were not so sure about Joan and her plans. Makes sense. They're like, you want us to do what now? Well, you guys just sneak in? Right. Like, who the fuck are you guys? And you want us to just go fight them and get killed for you guys what, to sneak and, in and she's a 16 year old girl yeah so like 
Uh, excuse me? The French commander, Jean Dunois, did not help either. He expected her to be a type of mascot and was not going to ride into battle. After much arguing and days of going back and forth, she was allowed to ride out into battle from time to time. I don't understand how – sorry, I keep getting distracted. I don't understand how oh, they're good. like, we have to go fight and we need to do it now because we're getting our asses kicked. And it takes days of arguing for something right. to happen. Like, like, just do it. I mean, you in the meantime, they're still fighting, but she's like, listen, bitch, I'm the chosen one. And they're like, are you? No, we're going to send out our armies to do what they're doing. And she's like, I want to fight. <laughs> that's the whole point. She's the, she's the one that has to go out there. Like, that's the prophecy. She can't. She's not there to be at the battlefield. She has to be, like, in the in battle. It. Yeah, exactly. She never brandished her weapon and waved a big banner during every battle. In her downtime, she studied the English troops stationed outside the city walls making plans. She also traveled around the city and talked with the townsfolk and even gave out food and supplies. They had faith in her mission, and she gave them the hope they had been waiting for. She told them they would be protected by God. The locals came up with their own group who wanted to march with the French army, and with a few words from the maid of Lorraine, Donois, she convinced them to let them march with his army. Who doesn't want more men in the army, especially when you're getting no, absolutely. And that's your butt kicked true. all the time. Like, of course you're going to want more people in your army. Right. On May 6th, Joan joined the army at breakfast and blurted out that she would be injured later that day in combat. Hours later, they rode into combat, and around noon, French forces retreated. Joan gave a heartfelt speech to the men, bringing up the morale and getting them fired up to strike again an hour later. Joan set up a ladder at the city rampart when an arrow hit her just above the right breast, fulfilling her prediction. Joan fell to the ground and pulled the arrow out. Which, by the way, you're not supposed to do. That's a bad idea. Absolutely not. Well, back, no, absolutely. Back then, they didn't know. If you got punctured, if you ever get punctured or impaled by you something, break you that fucking arrow. Break it off. off and you leave it in there. Yep. Better yet, don't break it off because you're not a trained professional. And the, here's the thing: is like, what's really crazy about that situation is like, she did. She pulled the arrow out, and she's supposed to be done. Like that's it. Like there are not a lot of men, let alone a 16 year old female, who are going to get shot in the left breast and rip an arrow out and be like, you know what? Let's keep fighting. To be fair though, she did have a full like plate metal suit. She did have a plate of armor. There's no, no telling how it, it could how have been deep it like was. flesh yeah. wound. She pulled it, out. And it was only in like, you know, that is true. That's, little tiny bit. Like, Oh my God, she got hit. You know what, John, when I was doing this research, I was like, Whoa, she got hit in the breast. But now that you say it like that, I'm like, <laughs> she might've been nicked. <laughs> Yeah, she probably got hit by it. And probably uh, it's like a bulletproof vest. You oof. still get shot. She still got still shot. Hurt. It went in, but maybe only went in like a couple millimeters. Or also, she could be the Black Knight from Monty Python. Tis merely a flesh <laughs> wound. I don't think it said anything about missing all of her limbs. True. So <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> also, the men took off her armor and used olive oil and lard on her wounds and carried her off to the doctor. The English cheered as they carried her off and began to call her a witch. The English refused to believe that God would choose France over their country, and so they labeled her a witch. Gotta say, I'm with the English on this one. <laughs> this is where, like, the first, first inklings, like, the first inklings of, like, oh, she's a witch come into play, right? Like, oh, that girl's a witch. Um, so well, of course, so the enemies. Which, enemies, of course, are going to be like, that's right. not from God. You, can, like, you can't say God that it's from God and still side. keep defending what you're I defending. Know. The straights use that tactic all the time against us gays. <laughs> but, um, Ching, just, I'm also... 
I mean, it's probably going to... You didn't catch on fire, so, man. You want to fuck me. I don't want to hear it. probably going to rub off on you a little bit, John. (laughs) So, the men took off her armor and used all... Oh, no, that's what you read. (laughs) Yummy. (laughs) Porn start like this, too. The olive oil massages. True. I've seen that. Um, So... You're You're not supposed to talk about porn that has a saint in it. God. I mean, I realize she's not a saint yet. I've seen a couple of those. Anyway, Joan was again visited by St. Catherine, who told her she needed to get up and complete her holy mission. What a bitch. So Joan, only after a day of rest, got up and led her men into battle. When the English saw her ride into battle, they couldn't believe their eyes and couldn't understand how she had recovered so quickly. They instantly blamed her fast healing on witchcraft. She must have been a witch. I mean, or just not okay. that bad. Or okay. like, I'm I'm certain after John said what he said, I'm like, or maybe she wasn't as injured. She was like milking it pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, she's like, ah, uh, well, because she like let's again, she's a 16 year old woman who has never been in battle, and she gets like nicked or hurt or injured in any way for the first time. You're probably gonna feel pretty shitty about it, right? Yeah, I would probably. imagine so. If you shoot me with an arrow and it goes in even a little bit, I'm going to freak out. Exactly. I promise you I'm going to freak out. Here's this 16-year-old girl who's like, I'm cool. Everything's fine. God says I'm going to get injured. And then all of a sudden she gets nicked by an arrow. And she's like, "Ah." I mean, I I wonder how long during that whole day, though, she she goes to breakfast and she's like, all right, guys, like today's the day I'm getting hurt. And then the whole the whole battle, she's putting herself in like shitty situations. No, absolutely. Right. She's like, like, okay, I'm gonna go put the ladder up, knowing full well the first person, the person putting the ladder up, they're aiming for you first. They're gonna shoot your ass, right? Yeah. She's like, she's like, don't worry. Like, don't shoot this. me. I only have a ladder. Well, because for her, she's here. like, God's got me. God's protecting me, and she throws this ladder up, With and the then all of a sudden, she's, you know, yeah, you know, she's got this like milfeted chain situation. Yeah. And then she's like. Up at the top, and somebody's like, bitch, please, right? Like, they're Get like, that ladder out of here. <laughs> and they hit her, and she's like, oh, and falls off this ladder. And everyone's Ouch. like, I've been oh, shot. God, Joan, Joan. Oh, no, our savior. Your vision has come true. We have to yeah. make sure she's okay. That arrow probably hit the chain mail that was underneath <laughs> her plate armor, and she pulled it out of just the chain mail and, like, busted it off. And everyone's like, oh, my God, she's amazing. Holy shit. But, yeah. I mean, the men did take off her armor and use the olive oil and lard on her wounds. So, it's, okay, so if, you, if I you're mean, wearing that armor and you fall down, you probably get hurt more from the fall than you do getting hit by the arrow. Well, it's true. Like, what but Michael's they, thing is true. Like, they they had to have seen like a, a wound. That'd be sad. That's true. Something there, yeah. Well, and like... in my research, they did say like they, the wound was so bad that they wanted to like they wanted her to go to like an actual doctor. Like they didn't want her to stay in the camp and get looked at. And she's like, "No, I refuse." And so, also crazy... a way better morale story if you tell your men that she's wounded so bad that she needs to go back, but she doesn't. And then the next day, she's riding out there. Your troops are going to think a whole lot better of her after that. True. But to be devil's advocate in this situation, the English saw that and was like, witch, burn her. Well, all the the English saw, the only thing they saw was her get hit by the arrow, get taken away, and then come back. And then she came back. And they're like, oh, she's a witch. Burn her. Burn her. I mean, she turned me into a She's got to be. 
Maybe she was. Monty Python, anyone? Yeah. She turned me into a newt. I got better. <laughs> I got better. That morning, she and her men were fighting to regain control over the Leor. Yep. Wow. Leor River, which ran along town with access to this waterway. Whoever ran it had control over the boats that came and went with supplies, making it a very strategic point for whoever gained control. Everyone, therefore, was fighting very hard to take control. That makes sense. Everybody always wants control of waterways. Right, that's, yeah, because that's where your supplies are going to come in. Yeah. That's where, like, you know, you control who comes and goes, right? It's a big deal. Uh, during this battle, the English squadron realized the fort they were in was on the verge of collapse. All 500 men fled crossing the Loar River. Jones, seeing them flee, yelled to them, I have great pity on your soul and the souls of your men. Shortly after yelling this, the English started crossing over a drawbridge, and at the same time, a French ship got caught under the bridge. While trying to get the ship free, it caught fire. The fire spread to the bridge, and the weight of the soldiers plus the fire burning the bridge caused the bridge to collapse, killing all 500 of the English soldiers. When Joan's men saw this, they instantly thought she had yelled a premonition out to the English. What a fuck so, show that has to be. She, she right, cast so, she so, cast a spell, 100%. Well, so, so imagine, like, all of these, like, English people, like, they're, they're winning, right? Like, the French are winning, the English are fleeing, and then Joan just yells, I have, I have great pity on you and all the souls of your men. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere... This fucking French ship is trying to come under the bridge, and it just catches fire and instantly kills all of the Englishmen. None of the Frenchmen died, by the way. Like, all of the Frenchmen got out of the boat and swam safely to shore. And they just watched 500 dudes but stand all, on a bridge. all of the Englishmen drowned and died. One, because... Their armor was so heavy. Like, think about it. Like, they're they're wearing armor. Chainmail. So you're, not, fell, you're not swimming in chainmail. When you fell into the river, they couldn't swim out of there. So they're fucked. Yeah. But it also is funny that, like, they realize, like, oh, shit. We're so heavy that our fucking fort is falling. It's, like, crumbling around us. We got to get out of here. And just by happenstance, a fucking French boat comes along and gets stuck under the drawbridge and catches fire. But it happens moments before the 16-year-old prophesied virgin yells, I have great pity on you and all of your men. So I just looked up the translation. I translated it to French. And this is what, it's, this is, what it is. J'ai grande pitié de votre âme et de l'âme de vos hommes. Sounds hot. Sounds like she totally put a spell on them. So if you're, yeah, if you're watching, like, from either side, so if, you, if you're on the French side, and you're listening to her yell this, you're like, oh, that girl is a queen. Like, she just she just saved our asses. And if you're on the English side, you're like, that bitch is a witch. She completely cursed us. Yeah. She yeah. just cursed our asses. And it's just like, holy shit. What a weird coincidence, right, for all of that to come into play at the exact moment. Yeah. Where, like, no one knew what was going to happen. Like, the French are fighting because Joan is there being like, Get it together, men. Like, be men, you stupid bitches. Like, let's do this. And they're like, uh, 16 year old girl is yelling at us. We need to man up. Telling, telling me <laughs> to be a man. Yeah, like, ooh, and it's the 1300s. I better man up. And so they're going for it. And then out of nowhere, the English are like, oh, God, our fort is falling apart because we're idiots <laughs> and we didn't reinforce the fort. 
or think that they were going to do anything, so we're fucked. Yeah, she Let's literally she yells the equivalent of like, yeah, you better run today. Exactly, and they're like, <laughs> all right, let's run. And then the fucking bridge catches on fire they all died, like, yeah. out of nowhere. It's like nobody predicted that. Nobody knew that was happening. But they just had horrible luck. She just says something right before that to say like, sorry, bitches, you're dying. And then they died. It's like, was she touched by God? Like, did God literally tell her like, hey, heads up, you're going to win this shit, even though you have 200 people and they have 500. Wait, and when they start running away? Tell them you're going to feel really bad for them and they're all going to die. Right. Which is <laughs> just wild. The whole thing is just wild. <laughs> He's like, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but just, just say it. Okay? Just, It'll be just, really funny. just do it. You'll be amazed yeah, at what happens. It's going to be super, super funny. <laughs> it's just fucking wild. I just imagine, like, the angels telling her that. Like, right. say this. Say this. <laughs> hey. Hey, Carl. Like, big guy's going to think it's funny. And, and then... The angels go back and they're like, oh, my God, did you see I got Joan to say this? And then we did that. I have great pity on you and your and the souls of your people, which is funny. Like, not funny. It's not funny. What's sad is like there are um, true historical facts where she actually knelt on her knees and cried and wept for the loss of the English, the English soldiers, because like, you know, they're having her death. You know, she's she's a girl who's not used also, to. That's not a fun way to watch people die. Right. Like, yeah, I bet it was pretty fun. For the French, I'm sure, death, the but... French soldiers who were, you know, getting their butts kicked by them the whole time. Yeah, I bet right. they, yeah, they enjoyed were like, the but, hell out of it. I mean, I'm also a dick, and I see a little kid fall. I laugh. They were like, let's do keg stands. And Joan of Arc is like, this was so devastating. Like, <laughs> I watched 500 people die. It's the most traumatic experience she's had it's her whole, her so whole life. But, well, you know, getting nicked by that arrow was pretty traumatic. <laughs> I mean, it was, but she ripped that shit out, had some sad, like, she's like, put your Lord on you bitches. And then wrote out, was like, we need to fight. I refuse to be taken down. After this incident, the French soldiers felt they could actually have a shot at winning. They took back the fort, the Augusto, and gained both sides of the river. They fixed the bridge and crossed on taking over Orleans. The English blamed Joan for being a witch and the French for winning. Well, so, they did fix the drawbridge. That was well, nice of them. I was going to say, right? how, they were like, how, how long did we burn this shit down? We're going to fix it. So obviously it didn't, like, the whole bridge didn't collapse? No, it did. So how long did it take them to fix the drawbridge? Obviously not that long. Because they spent days arguing whether or not she could go out and go fight. I'm sure yeah. they had no problem spending a couple weeks fixing a bridge. They don't yeah, like, like they're in a fucking I guess... hurry to do anything. I guess they were we like, we burned 500 men. Fuck off. We won. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess we, I guess we don't have like a date as when that happened. July 17th, Charles is consecrated as the King of France in the Reims Cathedral with Joan standing at his side, dressed in a full suit of armor, weeping for completing her mission. With all the victories that had been won, it paved the way for the final French victory of 1453 by winning at Castillon. After his coronation, Joan decided to keep fighting and wanted to take back the city of Paris, a huge task. However, Charles did not like war and wanted to create a peace treaty with the Burgundians, who had claim over Paris. For 15 days, Charles awaited for a reply. Joan never believed that the Burgundians would surrender Paris, and they took the time to reinforce walls. For weeks, both sides waited for the other to attack. Joan was getting impatient, seeing how she knew she had little time left with the army. 
Remember, she claimed God had told her that she would only be able to help for about a year. Time was running out for her. Charles is wasting time. Like, no, the guys who've been trying to kill us for the last 30, no, 100 years, they're yeah, cool. They're, now that now that I'm king, they're the cool The funny now. thing about Charles, like, his whole job is like, I just want to be coronated. Like, I just want to make sure that I... I'm fabulous. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, basically. So jo- Joan's problem with Charles, which I didn't put into this because it was this was already way too much research than it needed to be um, because I went balls to the wall. But basically, Charles didn't like fighting. Like Charles was like, I don't want to fight. And he spent most of his money. I shit you not. He spent most of his money on having his own suits of armor tailored to him. Like, not one, not two, but multiple. That he wasn't ever going to use. To never use in battle. Yeah, like he, he didn't He didn't like to fight. Why did he have armor? Doing was it just, it to look pretty. <laughs> he was just like, look at how pretty my chain mail is. Like, how gay is that? And I, <laughs> I was say just going to say, gay. I was just going to say, anyway. he sounds pretty gay. And so you can imagine that, like, Joan is now, like. Look, bitches, look at how I sparkle. And her whole life goal is to get this guy coronated make him, make him king and then also win back england or i'm sorry win back france from the real english. quick charles is the one who was the cousin yes or whatever correct he was, okay he's like the third cousin at this point so the, okay 100 years of war started because of something else that happened that's how that hundred he's years a descendant of the cousin that shouldn't yeah. have been king okay. right and at this point, yeah, this is the generational war. Yeah, it's a generational yeah. war. So, so they, he's, point, he's like the great, great grandson of the one yes. that should and not have been. And the Burgundians are like, okay. no, we believe that the king of England should be. Yeah. And even though they're French, which comes into play later. But so this king, king this King Charles is just like, I just want to look pretty. And you made me king. That's all that matters. And Joan is like, no, God literally told me that I need to fight and win back France. And King Charles is like, that's cute. Yeah, I'm we'll just let them keep our biggest city and reinforce the walls <laughs> right, while we yeah. fuck around How and wait. about your Basically, he's like, he's like, you made me king. That's enough. You're welcome. Bye. I'm out. Right? Like, he wants nothing to do. <laughs> I mean, he got, he got what he wanted. He didn't need anything else, really. Absolutely. And at this point, like, Jonah's like, no, 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 no. I was told that I have a year and a half to accomplish at what I need at best, right? It was like, eh, maybe a little year and over a half is year. really pushing it, yeah. Right, like a little over a year to complete my mission. And you, bitch, are more concerned about the amount of chainmail you have? Like, what? So, finally, Charles also became impatient and decided after months of waiting, it was time to attack. However, it was more than Joan and Charles had bargained for. The army faced a deep moat and 30 feet walls. Joan cheered the army on, and by giving by evening, the French were getting tired. So Joan ran to the wall and told the Burgundians to give up or they would all die. The Burgundians, unafraid of a 17-year-old girl, began taunting her and calling her names. Then an arrow was launched, hitting Joan in the thigh. Joan was unfazed. This wasn't her first injury, and she had god on her side after all Jeez, getting and shot by mail a... and chain mail yeah but still <laughs> and she's like she's like i don't give a fuck bitch yeah you already, still, you already getting, in getting shot in the thigh she's just like meh already been shot once during this war 
So she became angry and yelled at the French army to fight and defeat the Burgundians. The army retreated and headed back to camp. So at this point, she's like, she's like, let's go, bitches. We're going to win Paris. And she gets struck in the fucking thigh. And it's like, this is merely a flesh wound. <laughs> and wants to keep going. And at this point, the French army's like, uh, girl, we got to go. Like, like, oh, thanks. I ain't We're no out. little bitch. That didn't hurt. Right. And Joan's like, are you fucking kidding me? My thigh, though. Hello. Rips that shit out and is like, I'll lick the blade. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, crazy. Fighting, right? But the French army is like, Like, no, we're we're going home. Yeah, we're going (laughs) home. Girl, you crazy. (laughs) Essentially, right? That's what happened. Charles reached out and set up a treaty with the Burgundians, giving them the city of Paris. Because Charles was losing money and soldiers. Well, of course, losing money, you can't buy, you know, expensive suits if you're losing money by sending soldiers into battle. You can't make pretty suits for yourself. Yeah, and he was tired of the fighting again because he didn't want to keep losing money. After meeting with his advisors, they set up a return to Orleans. This angered Joan, who wanted to continue the next part of her mission for God, winning back all of France. Due to Charles' bankruptcy, so he blew all, he did blow all of his money. That's exactly no, what No, he happened. straight up did. He was like, was it Joan's <laughs> fault? Highly doubt it. <laughs> Joan was, so after the bankruptcy, Joan was forced to return with him back to Orleans. That's so here she is. ridiculous. Like, she, she crowned him as king, right? Like, she single-handedly put him on up. the throne. Yeah defeats a bunch of fucking people, paves away 200-plus miles on horseback, and gets him crowned king. And this little bitch is like, I want to look pretty. Yeah, that professional, lifelong commanders couldn't do, and she does it at 16. At 16, and she does it in months. And she just whops everybody in months. And, And the new king is like, Thanks for making me a king. I'm pretty. I just spent all my money. We can't continue to fight anymore, Joan. Sorry, because I'm pretty. Let's head back. What the fuck? Can you imagine being Joan in this moment? Like, God. What now? (laughs) Really? The man you wanted me to put on the throne? (laughs) I can't imagine. By this time, Charles' advisors were growing weary of Joan. They found her... They found her angry, disruptive, and emotional. Uh, his his advisors did the best to keep Joan away from him, and busy with work they felt was more fitting of a female her age, like giving out food and asking for donations. At the same time, Charles was still praising Joan and celebrated her publicly. Wow, I said publicly way publicly. weird. <laughs> yeah. But imagine at this point, so they're, they're back in Charles's, like, kingdom, if you will. And they, this woman who has fought battles has been injured, and they're now like, mm, we're broke, and you're a woman. Go hand out why some don't, food. Why Here's some go, humanitarian work for you. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you go ask for donations and hand out food to the poor? I'm imagining her standing out in front of Walmart with the, the bell. Yeah, exactly. Christmas. <laughs> like, she's just like ringing the Salvation Army bell, like, bring us your change. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is what you have for... So he awarded her family a title for her achievement on December 29th, 1429. While Joan was thankful for the honor, she was more focused than ever on getting back into battle, surprisingly. Unfortunately, Joan was getting to have 
was going to have to wait a few months because after her ceremony, Charles extended the truce with the Burgundians till after Easter. It was extended to March of 1430. Joan was getting very impatient. She knew her time was running out. She made herself a promise and vowed to be near Paris when the treaty's time had expired. She would take back the city no matter the cost. So at this point, all Joan is focused on is like getting back Paris, right? Like she's like, I'll play your games. I'll do your bullshit. But now I'm yeah, out of she, the She's like, like the treaty stuff. ends on March 1st, 1430. So, and she just parks the French army right there outside right of Paris. There, right? Yeah. Yep. She's just like, we're going to stand right here. She's like, we're going to stare them down and wait patiently. <laughs> hey, guys. Do you know what day it is? Knock, yeah. knock, 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 knock. Hi, it's Joan. It's February 28th, guys. Do you know what right. tomorrow is? It well, Charles day. is like, Charles and his advisors are like, hey, girl, ask for donations. And Joan's like, fuck off, dude. Ask I for donations because I need more money for my extravagance, our suit of armor. Yeah. And Joan's like, fuck off, bro. God is calling. And you know what God says? I need to fight. Yeah, take the and army to Paris. Off, like, she heads off to Paris, just waiting, just waiting patiently. In the winter of 1430, Joan turned 18 and was waiting near Paris for the treaty to end. Some of the French in the Compagnon, one of the towns Charles gave to the Burgundians in the treaty, were growing weary and tired of the stalemate, for they were truer to the French than the Burgundians and the English. The townspeople began getting ready to fight for the French monarch against the Burgundians. Well, that's a swing. Joan was ready for her year was almost up with the French army. So, yeah, she is – her time's running out. The townspeople are like, you know what? Fuck these Burgundians. We're taking France back yeah. for ourselves. Yeah, they're like, why, why are we with the French? That's bullshit. We're, we are French. Like, why are we with the French. English? Like, yeah. Like, why are we fighting with the English so, with the other Frenchmen? This is stupid. We agree with Joan. Seems like the tide's kind of turning in her favor at this point. Right. And so it's like, all right, all right, they're doing what they do. In April of 1430, Joan received another vision from her saints, but this was not good news. Uh-oh. The saints told Joan that she would be taken prisoner by the summer. This obviously terrified Joan, and she begged for them to save her, but they told her there was nothing they could do. It was to be her fate. This is your reward. This, this is, is what you got God. for dressing she, like a dude. She she fucking nailed it, Michael. She gets a, she gets a fucking king coronated, and she <laughs> starts fighting to get France back. And essentially, they're like, mm, "You dress like a dude, so you're fucked." So <laughs> all, all the saints and angels are just like, "You shouldn't." The saints and angels like, a like dude. I mean, she was right. God did overlook it because he was like, there. "Yes, let's get this French king back on the throne." Oh, and Joan, you did that. But you dress like a dude, so peace oh. out. You're no longer the savior. You done sinned. Done. <laughs> You're done. You're, You're done. done. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> Joan didn't tell anyone about her vision, clearly. She began to show less and less interest in fighting with the army and talking with the captains. People began to wonder if perhaps she had lost her faith. I think through a small town with some of her army, a few girls came running up to Joan and asked her for help. Joan, never one to turn down people in need, followed the girls to a church. Inside the church, at the base of an angelic statue, she saw a woman holding her dead infant. Oh, I don't like that. I know. Mm -hmm. The woman pleaded with Joan to bring her child back for just a moment in order to baptize the infant. 
So in those times, like if your child wasn't baptized, oh yeah, they were fucking horrible. Yeah, well, and like, they were they going were to hell. Yeah, immediately to 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 hell. Like even if it was an infant, like how? Anyway, yeah, infant so, hasn't sinned yet. That's, so that's a whole other rabbit hole that I could just yeah, I know lose it on. So for it had died before having the chance. The mother was afraid her infant would be damned for eternity. Joe knelt down and began to pray, and after a few moments, the infant yawned three times and moved. Joan quickly baptized the child before it died again. According to the legend, this gave the mother comfort knowing that her baby was going to be saved. It also gave Joan the reassurance she needed to continue her fight for God. So some theorize that if this had happened and the child had died, let's say two to three days um, prior, rigor mortis had probably set in. So if rigor mortis sets in, we all know like there's a lot of gases and things that happen in our bodies. So if for some reason, this mother had been holding her baby for three days and Joan happened to come by and was like pushing on it the right way. It could relieve gases to allow it to look like it was yawning or moving. And so it's theorized that it was rigor mortis that happened. But because of what Joan had done, um, because of what Joan had done, everyone believed that like it was a miracle. Right. And then that gave Joan the permission to believe in God again. And to believe that she had done the right thing, because at this point, she's been told by the saints and the Archangel Michael that she's doomed. Like, thanks for helping God. You're fucked. And so Joan's starting to rethink her whole thing. And then while, you know, and it's even being like other people are starting to notice that she's less engaged and she's not like trying to fight fights and talk to captains. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these three girls run up and they're like, we need your help, Joan. And she's like, all right, that's what I do. Runs into this, this chapel. And here's this mother crying over her dead infant. And it's like, my infant died before it could be saved. And Joan's like, right. Like, (laughs) they didn't tell me anything of this in my visions. Right. And so she just starts like massaging the baby and whatnot and praying over it. And all of a sudden the baby starts moving because that can happen with rigor mortis and yawns. Rigor and mortis. In that moment, you know, all of these women are seeing it and they think the baby's alive and she's able to say a small prayer and baptize the child in that moment. And then the baby dies again, right? It stops moving or whatever. And so now the mother is like, oh my God, God has spoken through you. Here's this moment. And Joan's like, you're right. God has told me to do the things I need to do. You're right. I'm a bad bitch. Right? Yeah. She's like, I'm a boss ass bitch and I have this. I'm a boss ass bitch and I have this. Right? So that's Joan's moment to like snap out of her depression or whatever and move forward because King Charles is over there like, I just want to look good. Going bankrupt on his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. On May 23rd, 1430, the English and Burgundians surrounded Joan and her soldiers in Compiègne and captured Joan. Joan was carried away, and the Burgundians claimed that if she really worked for God, he would never have let her get captured. From that moment forward, she was named a witch. The French people were devastated to hear of Joan's capture. So she predicted it right. She did get captured. Charles and his Burgundians have a point. Charles and his advisors knew that the French morale was down and spun a tale against Joan claiming that she refused to listen to them, and they demonized her. Then Charles took a page out of Joan's book and claimed God spoke to him, telling Charles that God allowed Joan to be captured due to her pridefulness. With that, Charles had turned his back on the very person who gave him his crown. So at this point, 
She's been captured. Everyone's calling her a witch. And the one freaking person who could possibly save her is like, yeah, bye, bitch. Thanks for the crown. Sucks to be you. Like, Sucks to suck. What? Are you kidding me? During the summer of 1430, Joan was moved from place to place, having to fight off Burgundian soldiers who tried to rape her. Meanwhile, she received a vision from the saints telling her not to flee because this was her fate. But then Joan heard she was to be traded to English. Fearing for her life, she defied the angels and saints and tried to escape. She leapt out of her tower but landed badly and injured herself, getting caught quickly. Maybe she should listen to the saints. Yeah. Maybe there was going to be a different opportunity here. Right. So that's the question, right? So was there a moment where if we believe that Joan of Arc is loved by God, like, was this the moment, right? Like, it was like a, a test. Are, are we to believe the moment? She's supposed to be the maiden vir virgin, right? She's not supposed to be raped by anyone. And at this point, she has dodged rape and terrible things for years because we're getting close to where she's like 19 years old. And in this one moment, she's told, do not try to escape. And I did read that, like, the, the reason she tried to escape was because a soldier did creep into her um, cell and tried to rape her, and she fought him off. And so then after that, they refused to feed her for days. And so now she's starving, and she's stuck in the cell, and they're calling her a witch, and she's screwed. And in this moment is when saints come to her and like, don't flee, though. And she's like, bitch, I'm starving. I'm about to get raped. I'm out. I've done that's what like, me That's to, like every right? Bible story ever, though. They right. put mm -hmm. the people in the most horrible situations, and they go, just have faith in God, and you'll be fine. And they throw them in the lion's dens. They have to fight Goliath. You know, they put them in the most horrible situations. Is this that moment, right? And then Joan goes, fuck y'all, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and so she jumps out of her goddamn window. And she actually, it says that, like, from the research I read, she broke her fucking ankle. So she couldn't run, right? She landed horribly i was broke thinking her ankle. misery when i see that right and she couldn't go anywhere and the, and the guards were like right there at the base of the thing so they, they watched her, her come, like what the like fuck they is watched her jump and they watched her land and they're like ah, this bitch right they're like, like what an ah, idiot ah, she's not going anywhere <laughs> they catch her very easily like to her right. busted ankle they watch her fall out of the tower they're like you landed right next to us <laughs> Dumbass. By November of 1430, she was given to the English. The English set up a trial for heresy and cross-dressing, deeming her a witch. So that's the big thing. Not just yeah. the heresy that she fought against them. It was that, oh, yeah, you also dress like a man. No, they that's why you're gonna... They literally the, – the heresy thing wasn't that big a deal, I read. Not a big deal. But the fact that she dressed like a man was a huge no-no. The trial began on February 9th, 1431. Joan went through many physical exams, including checking her virginity, and a five-month interrogation. On May 24th, she was sentenced to death. On May 30th, she was tied up to a pole, and before being burned, Joan yelled out to the crowd, Someone please hold up a cross so I may see it. One of the English spectators did so. Once the pyre was lit on fire, it is said that she yelled Jesus' name until she could no longer speak. She was only 19 years old. Wow. Her dying words from everything that i read was literally jesus she was screaming jesus as her last words and they're like yeah it's definitely a witch that's something a witch would say is they're burning to death when the fact that like before they even lit the thing she was like can someone please hold up a cross so i can look at it and pray to my god which is also by the way your god <laughs> and somebody in the crowd was like yeah 
Yeah, dying table. request. I'll do it. Like, done. And she's literally known. Her last words are literally known as screaming Jesus' name. Wow. Oof. In 1456, Pope Calatus III authorized investigations into Joan's trial, and her verdict was overturned. Since Joan's death, she has been revered as a martyr. After the French Revolution, she became a national symbol of France. She was canonized in 1920 and declared a secondary patron saint of France in 1922. Joan of Arc remains a popular figure in literature, paintings, sculpture, and music. And cultural depictions of her continue to be created to this day. And so a fun fact, side note, is that when she was declared a witch, literally every depiction of her was burned or destroyed. And so to this day, no one really knows what Joan looked like. One of the only things that was ever discovered was a doodle of a guy who was at her trial during the English like trial situation. And so it's like a hand-drawn doodle. No one knows what she looks like. It's And it's in the like spine of a book, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's in the spine of a book. So they literally got rid of all depiction and all anything matching Jones. Because what we see and what we usually get is like this blonde-haired, blue-eyed whatever. And it back, especially back then as a French, you were going to be dark-skinned, um, dark hair. Well, She's described as having um, like, like more more darkish especially the area that she was from oh, from or, what i read um they, so yeah i guess they wouldn't have been they wouldn't have been necessarily around where the the norse settled and everything right so she was very very far down south yeah um and so she was a little darker skinned i wouldn't get you know tan she was swarthy yeah swarthy and every every single thing that i've ever read um and trust me i went way too in depth with this but whatever I, mean, I read you about, you bought a whole autobiography on her. I know I went crazy. I'm sorry, everybody. But according to the depictions, she was beautiful. She was thin, but she was also curvy. Um, King Charles actually had to pay for her armor to be built and tailored to her, which means that she did have some curves, especially for like a 16 year old girl. So she she had some curves to her. She was beautiful. But she was definitely dark of skin, brown-eyed, and most likely, like, dark-haired as to her area of France. And I was wrong. Not autobiography. You bought a biography on her. Autobiography. Not, definitely not an autobiography. Yeah, yeah she, did not write, she did not write it herself. But that's Joan of Arc in a nutshell. So Wow. I, le- I learned a lot during that, actually. I, yeah, I did, too. Um, and then both John and I actually have ties to Joan. And that's I know... Right. John can't remember. Well, maybe you will, but I don't I remember know their that, names. But yeah, um, my twenty-third great-grandmother was um, Queen of Naples, and she actually financed and sent some money to Joan of Arc and the French for their army, because as it turns out, she was actually from France, even though she was like married to an Italian king. That's well, my that type. Happened. Yeah, that's all the time. You know, so she was yeah. she was actually from France. And I think it's really cool that my 23rd great-grandmother financed that army. Like, she gave money to them to fight off the English because I'm very happy with the English, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, was anybody happy with the English? Well, <laughs> the my, English? <laughs> my connection to it, um, they also were not very happy with the English as they were Scottish. And there they... Definitely did not like the English, and they they left Scotland to join her army as mercenaries. Two other two separate ones joined and did that from Clan Kennedy. 
And that's amazing. So both John and I have time. Well, look, a story that I don't have a family connection to for once. (laughs) But John and I have family connections to Joan of Arc, which is amazing and very cool and fun. So I I had a lot of fun researching this one for sure. I know I went a little deep and in-depth and crazy over it, but... No, you did a great job. I think it was great. Yeah, I loved it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Like, I, I learned a lot in researching this. Like, I had no idea. I was like, oh, she's some crazy French chick who, like, won a bunch of... Who like, heard what, voices. You know, you know, like, that's what I thought. Like, I've seen the Hollywood depictions and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And um, it was cool to know that, like, and who knows? She might have had epilepsy. And the she whole might have been schizophrenic to, and nuts. To think that, like... Or she thing, might have had actual like, visions from God. It could be anything, right? So, like... That'd be a fun poll. Anyway, it's crazy to think that, like, maybe she had a mental illness or maybe she had divine intervention from God. Who knows? It's crazy, right? Like, it's amazing because she achieved and accomplished so much. And she did it in exactly the time frame that she gave. She literally said it would be a year or more. Just barely. Yeah. Right. And that's exactly what happened. Like, the time frames are little more than a year. It's wild. Wild. Anyway. So, yeah, that's our episode on Joan of Arc. <laughs> We're going to have a poll question up on Spotify, if I'm not incorrect. Um, you can follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, I think. And make sure to leave us a review and subscribe to us. It really helps us out a lot. 100%. Um, you can email us at historyuntapped at yahoo.com. You can follow us on Instagram, historyuntapped. And you can follow us on TikTok history untapped and we look forward to hearing from you guys please let us know what you think we had fun we hope you had fun and thanks for listening guys this is amazing and fun we have a good time so we appreciate you hey guys real quick before we go i just want to say that if you enjoy what you heard today please leave us a review wherever you're listening to your podcast also we do have a merch store where you can get some cool shirts stickers posters glasses and mugs just head on over to historyuntappedstore.org to show everyone how much you love us All music on this show is produced and performed by all good folks. Thanks for listening.